0: Pro stories, life lessons, turning points, service to others, truth, no bullshit, adding value, no smoke and mirrors, being the pressure, third down and 10, win or learn, always the underdog with a chip on your shoulder. These are the things that I think about when I talk to this group. From service academy fleet leaders, NFL players, NASCAR drivers, tech gurus, private equity, small business, big business, to the entrepreneurs making the way of the future, winning at all costs with uncompromised integrity. Paying the price of admission. Let's go. All right. So today still to have uh, Greg Zing. We all call him Zing. Zingler, last name with us. Uh currently a KC 135R pilot. I'm not sure what that is, but you can tell us. Uh in the Air Force Reserve. Um you're also currently a first officer for United Airlines. So flying commercial, baby. Um Zing's career has been you know, all over the place with service and leadership, raised in Saverna Park, Maryland. He's a Naval Academy grad, class of 2010, Navy footballer, senior year of 09. Uh, You got a degree in mechanical engineering. Not many of that group did that.
1: There were not, not many <laughs> in class with me.
0: Yeah, and there's a, a memory that pops up with that, so we'll get there. Um, let's see, previous roles, you were a TAD, so like a GA for the athletic department, post-graduation from the academy. And then you went over to Georgia Tech and, and did some GA time over there. Um, what Marine Corps became a pilot, served as a uh, MB-22 Bravo pilot. Um, what is that for the group?
1: So the Osprey. Um, it's the, Osprey. Yeah, it's the assault support uh, weapon of choice for the Marine Corps, so the, the, the transformer-looking thing that can take off like a helicopter, fly like a plane.
0: Yeah, that was the one that, like, as we were going through school, I had a whole bunch of crashes because it was kind of new. Yeah, and you decided to go yeah. that way, huh?
1: Rough, rough development. <laughs> had some some good years. Uh, thankfully, while I was flying, the last couple of years have been been tough for the community. But it's ups and downs with with anything in aviation.
0: Gotcha. Uh, from there, a deputy program manager at Oceanair International at Hanover, Maryland. What was that? High level.
1: So high level. Uh, I had a. A job offer from a regional airline right before I left active duty, um, and COVID threw that in the trash before I could even start training with them. So, you know, made the decision with the wife to to you know continue the 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 out the off ramp from active duty, um, and essentially just networked my way into this company. It's uh, you know it was just a way to pay the bills. The company's based in in uh, in Houston, does a lot of stuff in the energy sector, and the business. (laughs) And the business division that I was specifically with in Maryland um, was government defense contracting.
0: Cool. So, cool. Yeah. we'll get into that here in a little bit. Got some uh, I'd like to know more about that. Um, so, Brianna's professional path is in uh, deeply committed to personal growth, community service, coaching kids, youth uh, sports teams. Yeah, his message is clear: sometimes your best isn't good enough. It's how you react to the failure that defines you. And a bit of an advocate of improving every day um memories bobby doyle and there were many others that brought this up as well um he brought up your zerb pregame chant zerb singleton's pregame chant before every dang game remind us what that was and forgive me because i know i heard it a million times but i can't i can't hear it right now zerb
1: singleton pregame chant Something that he
0: used to do before games, and you carried it on once he was gone.
1: I'm trying to – because, I mean, there were so many memories of Zerb, uh, some not suitable for for this podcast. But um, I'm trying to remember. I'll have to think on that. I'm going to think I'll, on that.
0: I'll ask Bobby. I'll ask yeah. Bobby what it was.
1: On it and, uh, he
0: remembers on
1: it, by the end, it'll come. <laughs> but a specific – I can't think of a specific chant. I mean, Zerb was always – you always knew where Zerb was in the locker room pregame. Yeah. Um, but I'm just trying to think of, of what the specific chant was.
0: Hey, you made me feel a lot better about not remembering exactly what it was. So, <laughs> all right. Uh, uh, Austin Milky said, so you were a mechanical engineer major, right? How did you manage that academic piece to uh, balance the needs of the football at the same time?
1: What certainly helped that I wasn't, uh, trying to balance it with a significant amount of playing time. Uh, so that, uh, that gave me more time to focus on the academics I tell you what i uh, I remember study hall plea beer with uh, then captain Ryan Hamilton um, we'd all go to uh, the library after you know chow at uh, at dinner, and just being forced to sit down and, and knock the studies out really helped me um, but uh, I don't know i just I don't I don't know if i'd never i certainly found my my place in the engineering department you know something i i love doing more of a math science guy than the english history type but uh some of your stuff i was interested in and uh just being being provided with the environment to uh to just kind of dig into that and really focus on a year. That's what Uh, was
0: your toughest class throughout that major
1: throughout that major Geez. Uh
0: um, one that was like, man, I gotta go to this class. I'm not digging it.
1: Man, I mean fluid fluid dynamics wasn't uh wasn't easy. Um but I tell you what, the, the professors in that department were just outstanding and uh, I really learned a lot from them. I mean my toughest classes at the academy were like English one oh one and uh gotcha. You know, yeah, all the uh, all the all the basic English and uh, history classes were where I, where I wasn't uh, as strong.
0: Gotcha. Where my my,
1: my method for writing papers was to uh, use as many footnotes and and large References. Yeah. large as possible. Um, so I would frequently get feedback on my papers of like, well, thank you for telling me what this person thought about it, but what's your what's your opinion? So,
0: <laughs> if we only had Chat GPT back in the day, yeah.
1: I got really I got really good at footnotes.
0: Yeah. What? So you came from a class tonight. What kind of class were you at tonight?
1: Well, so I'm out in Denver right now. I'm in day three of basic indoc doc um, with United. So. Oh, okay.
0: Um, so this is a new thing, like super new.
1: Yeah, super new. So I went awesome. I mean, out here Monday, checked in Tuesday, and right into it.
0: Cool. All right. Um, he said uh, you are local, so you grew up around the Annapolis area. Had that feel going home uh, over the weekends?
1: I I mean, it was it was awesome. I mean, yeah, born in Annapolis. We moved from Annapolis um, up to Severna Park when I started first grade. So um, it was uh, definitely the uh, quite a different experience from what most of you guys went through. And at the time, at the time, I loved it because I mean, you know, you're whenever you had Liberty or we had weekends off, you just go home and do your laundry and eat home cooked meals and chill in your basement and do whatever. But um it's been funny i mean listening to a lot of your previous episodes and listening to the stories that you guys have of getting away to sponsors houses or going to kevin's family's house in virginia certainly definitely missed out i think on a lot of the uh you know the the experiences and the camaraderie building that that you guys had um kind of being away from home kind of forced you to uh, maybe form those tighter family bonds uh with the guys but um no, I mean, at the at the time going through it was certainly certainly nice to go home.
0: Gotcha. If if memory serves me correctly, your dad was an academy grad, right?
1: Yeah. So uh, I mean, football ties. My my dad's older brother Chuck was a class of '80. Okay. Um, he was a, a defensive back on the team while he was there. Um, my mom's oldest brother was class of '83, and that's actually how my mom and dad met. My dad and my uncle were roommates plebe year, and so they were on the at the, at the time, my, my grandfather was coaching at Pitt, and my mom's from Pittsburgh, so my uncle and my dad were on the same flight home for Christmas yeah. leave. You know, mom and dad met at the airport. But um, so, yeah, my uncle uncle was there, and then my dad uh, was class of 83 as well. He played sprint football.
0: Gotcha. Gotcha. Two, yeah. two great programs to be a part of. Yeah.
1: Back when the weight limit was like 150 pounds or something like that.
0: Yeah. And then, uh, you know, based off of the supply chain, food made bodies a little bit different, I guess. Yes. Uh, okay. Next one, Ross Pospisil. Um, he said, when I think about consistency and dependability, I can, I think about Greg. Uh, he walked this. He knew his why and didn't deviate from living this out. Uh, sometimes the path he walked, he even created fiction with other dudes who saw things differently in areas off the field, uh, respected to the USA culture. It would have been easy for anyone to react in extreme ways, change course, or break relationships. He somehow did neither. He stayed on course, on his course, uh, yet pressed in closer to others. Love and miss this guy. So, yeah, man. I
1: think that was Psalms uh, chapter. No, I'm just kidding. Not wrong. Uh...
0: <laughs> no, it's I've... funny. I'm actually going through that right now.
1: Yeah. Um, no, i not. You know, kind words from an even kinder person. But um, yeah, man, it certainly was. I mean, looking back on it, um, you know, I've had a lot of time to reflect on our time there and experiences there. I think what set me up at least prepared me well for the challenges that I personally faced and then I think that we collectively faced, um, one being at the academy, but then, you know, throwing football on top of that was I was always raised uh, by my mom and dad to just focus on the things that you can control. Um, and so whether that's in the classroom, dealing with all the brigade stuff or at the, you know, within the football program, focus on the things that you can control. Um, and one one step at a time, one, one event at a time, class at a time, one practice at a time. So if you're being asked to go knock out this workout, then go knock out that workout as hard as you can. If you're being asked to, Run these plays with the scout team, then run them as hard as you can, as best you can, to give the defense the best look. and And in the long run, things are going to fall where they're going to fall, and um, it's all going to work out. And whatever that uh, whatever that result looks like, it was meant to be that way. And so,
0: don't that give- was a, that was a big memory for me. Um, you would fire up that scout <laughs> offense, man, like like no one else. So that's good. That is exactly. That is the mentality that the memories talk about. You know what I mean?
1: Yeah. And, I, and again, I, uh, I'd like to say it was easy, but certainly, I mean, I remember showing up, showing up when we first gathered as a team, plebe uh, year, the The quarterback room looked like so we had Brian Hampton, who was going to start that season. Then you had Troy Goss, Jared Bryant, and, and Kaipo.
0: You know? Yeah, and by the way, Navy recruits like, Fifty quarterbacks and right. then puts them in other places. <laughs> the
1: plea, the plea, the plea quarterbacks were myself. I'm um, apologies. I mean these were Napsters. I think I've got their names. There was Scott Yingling.
0: Yep. Um, Ying and Zing.
1: There was. I'm, I'm blanking on his friend I don't know if it was a Scott, but there was an Oswald
0: who was a yep, stu- Scott Oswald. Scott Oswald. Yep. His Bobby, dad was like an astronaut uh, admiral.
1: Yeah, Bobby Bobby Doyle. Yep. And, and Mike Spachali. So there were five of us freshman quarterbacks. And by the end of, you know, by the time we got to spring ball that year, Mike was playing baseball. Bobby and Scott Oswald had been moved to slot back. And I think Scott Yingling had decided to to leave, uh, leave school. Yeah. So I was, I was the only freshman left in the quarterback room at that time. I was like, sweet. You know, if I just grind it out for four years, my time's going to come. And then uh, you show up the fall ball sophomore year, and this kid named Ricky Dobbs uh, shows up, and uh, I quickly, quickly uh, redirected my focus to, uh, to to other things, and knew that uh, I was going to be, you know, a battle, a battle all the way out. So, yeah, man, it was. Um, I, I I I took a lot of pride in my role as you know with the scout team, um, because again, at the end of the day, we all just want to win collectively, and whatever your whatever your role is, um, you know, coach Nehemiah preached it constantly was, you know, do your job. And if your job was starting quarterback or, uh, you know, placeholder for the, the field goals and PATs or, you know, scout team quarterback, everybody's got a job to do. Um, and so, you know, I, I took that to heart and, uh, you know, watching, watching the, the home games from the stands freshman year, um, take i you know i I'd, I'd feel a lot of pride just watching the defense you know perform uh and knew that you know i gave the best look i could to rob caldwell tyler tidwell like the 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 giants of the defense at the time um so that was pretty cool
0: awesome all right man story time take us back to the beginning where does the uh, zing come from
1: yeah so again born in annapolis um my dad was uh supply corps in the Navy um on the, the forestall an old aircraft carrier. He got out, worked for the Athletic uh, Athletic Association for a while. And then when Alumni Hall was built and commissioned in I think it was either 89 or 90, um he got the job as the facility manager, the building manager for Alumni Hall. Um so grew up, moved up to Saverna Park um, you know, for the the schools up there. Um, and so just growing up being able to come down to, I think I came to more Navy basketball games growing up than I did football games. Um,
0: why is that just a bigger,
1: just because of the venue? Um, and uh, I guess just you know, spend more time there. I I do remember going to games as a kid, you know, doing getting on your, your cardboard box and sliding down the grass hill. This was also before all the stadium renovations, so right. Um, yeah, TJ Hall. Um, I think class of like 94 uh, or something like that. Um, but he was, he was like my idol growing up um, on the basketball team. And then uh, my dad was also involved with the fellowship of Christian athletes back then. So I remember actually my first interaction with, you know, Ben Fay and Clint Bruce and those guys was when I was in elementary school going to FCA huddles with my dad, you know, That's- and uh, just, you know, getting drugged around uh, by those guys. So, um, yes, yeah, so, I mean, grew up, grew up in Savannah Park, went to Savannah Park High School. Um, I actually didn't start playing football, organized football, until I got to high school. That was a, uh, something my grandfather, who was a longtime player and coach, passed down to his three boys, and then my dad passed down to me. So um, started playing football. I was a soccer soccer goalie and baseball player all the way up to high school and finally got the chance to play. And, um, it was fun. I mean, at the time, so I started, I started class of 06. So started high school in what, Oh, fall of Oh one or Oh two, whatever it was. So at the time, the program, the, the football program was coming off of a, a dip in, in success. I think coach Weatherby had just been let go and, uh, coach Johnson was in his first or second year with the program. So again, being the, being the ignorant, uh, cocky high school varsity quarterback that I was, I thought my chances of getting to the Academy and starting as a a Naval Academy quarterback were pretty good. And then more wins, the Candido's, the Polanco's, the Lamar Owens, those guys come through and just, you know, take the program to the next level. And pretty soon we're getting athletes like Bobby Doyle and, Scott Oswald to to show up in the quarterback room. So it was uh cer I mean, looking back, um was definitely uh definitely humbling to just be able to to get the opportunity to be a part of the program. Coach Green was my buddy Green was my recruiter.
0: Nice. Um
1: and I I i tell people I was I would think I was more of a uh invited walk on or permitted walk on. Um you know, I had decent grades in, in high school and was able to get the you know, the nominations or whatever you needed to get into the academy on my own. So, um, yeah, I think it was more just, uh, you know, you play football, you can get into the academy. You're more than welcome to come out on the team. So, yeah, it was good. But, um, yeah, man, I mean, in a nutshell, it's kind of how I got to got to Annapolis. I always wanted to play Navy football. And so it was just a blessing to to get the opportunity to come to Annapolis. I had looked at some smaller schools when football was getting a little bit more serious junior and senior year of high school um actually took a like a junior year recruiting visit to West Point um and then uh some smaller schools like Brown and Bucknell had uh, had shown some interest but um as long as navy was going to give me the opportunity I was going to you know jump on that so yeah just awesome. just blessed to to be able to get there and then uh I met all met all you guys in uh the summer of 06
0: cool well yeah. And you get into school, and any fun or memorable key moments throughout those four years.
1: So you know, thinking back to your uh, to Bobby's note about Zerbs Zerbs chant, I don't I don't remember a chant, but I remember he would always count down the days to game day. So you know, on you show up to to practice on Monday, and it was four days, baby, four days, <laughs> and. I was what would say for the entire day. And then Tuesday you come in three days, baby, three days. Um, but yeah, a, a, another good memory I have. So Jordan Stevens and I were locker, locker roommates or locker buddies, locker neighbors, uh, plebe year, And we had the very last two lockers next to the bathroom, like the showers and the sinks and stuff. hmm. So you talk about a, a humbling, a humbling experience uh, as a uh, as a pleat football player, as you're watching all these these grown men uh, come in and out of the showers uh, multiple times a day was uh, was a memory that I will I will always have. So it was a good times with Jordo.
0: Yeah, I'm sure there there are a few zingers that came out of that. intended. yeah. yeah. But, okay. uh, and then so graduate you go marine corps why'd you go marine corps
1: gosh um so i had i had awesome leadership Um, uh, my company commander um i want to say it was plebe and and youngster year was a marine and you know really respected him um uh rob caldwell was in my company so he was a, a firstie when i was a plebe and i know you know he went he went Marine. So I had a lot of respect for Rob. Um, and what he, especially, you know, not, not only what he did for the program, but what he did for me kind of looking out for me within the company. Um, I dated a girl sophomore year whose dad was a, was a Marine and he had a lot of good advice and, and impact on me coming up. So, um, really, I think it was just the interactions I had with the officers on the yard. Um, I, I came into, um, the Academy wanted to be a, you know, a fighter pilot. Um, I had, uh, you know, an uncle, my uncle, Dan, who I was talking about class of 83, he was an F-18 guy um, in the Navy. So I just wanted to be a pilot. And then just over the course of my time there, my interactions with the Marine officers just, you know, left an impact on me. And so was able to get the, the air contract with the Marine Corps. Um, yeah.
0: So you passed the test.
1: Passed the test. Passed the did test. you,
0: did you want to go Harriers going into it initially?
1: Uh, so I wanted to go, well, wanted to be a jet pilot. And then I got to TBS and Mm -hmm. in the first, uh, cast close air support demo that we had on one of the ranges there, it was, uh, it was a two ship of Cobras. Um, and when I saw, when I saw that, and you know, the, the rockets and gun runs that they did, um, I was like, I want to be a, I want to be a Cobra pilot. And actually, um, I think it was Lieutenant Colonel Steve Hall um, was my ethics ethics professor or lead, one of the one of the leadership courses that we took in Loose. I want to say yeah. I think it was I think it was ethics. He was a former CEO of uh, one of the Skid Squadrons out of Pendleton, Scarface. I'm I'm blanking on the you know the number designation, but uh, I would say of all the Marines that had an impact on me. Um, during my time there, it was, it was him in that class. Um, and so that combined with, you know, my limited experience with, uh, Marine Corps aviation at TBS wanted, uh, steered me towards, towards selecting that. And gotcha. then in the, in the, uh, in the theme of sometimes your best isn't good enough, um, going through flight training, um, as with, with every timings everything. You know, at least in my experience, timing's everything in the military. Yeah. So I worked my tail off in primary flight training. I had grades good enough to go jets. So, in, in flight training, after you, everyone goes through the same primary flight training. And then out of there, the Marine Corps, you either track jets, helos, C 130s, or Ospreys. Um, and the jets and the Ospreys at the time had certain GPA, you would call it an NSS, but it's like your GPA. Had certain GPA cutoffs that you had to get above a certain GPA essentially to be able to even select those. And so that's
0: because what Jets and Ospreys, the complexity is a little bit more I, or like. I
1: think, I think that's the idea. Um, okay. But, uh, but yeah, so I had, I had good enough grades to go Jets. Um, my selection sheet coming out of primary was Elos, Jets, C 130s, and Ospreys. And at okay. the time, they needed Osprey pilots and so needs of the Marine Corps, uh, rock paper, you know, needs of the Marine Corps and, uh, got, uh, got tracked to Ospreys from there. But again, hindsight being 2020, I wouldn't have done it any other way. I had a, had a blast, uh, blast flying the Osprey. So,
0: yeah, those, they're pretty awesome. Yeah. Um, at least to watch. So when you're flying one of those things, you're the first pilot I've, I've gotten on here that's flown an Osprey. Um, so like?
1: so it's much more comfortable up front than in the back um, i have unending respects for our crew chiefs that fly around with us in the back and uh i hated riding around the back as a passenger because straight and level flight in an osprey is actually so to, to be able to maintain your given altitude you actually have to be five degrees nose up and so for those the seats in the osprey go along the sides of the cabin. So it's not like you're facing forward. You're facing towards the center of the cargo compartment in the back,
0: which yeah. means Got a little you know, lean to you.
1: in left or right, depending on which side you're sitting on. So it's super uncomfortable, super loud. It's unpressurized. So we're limited on, you know, how high we can go. So it's usually really hot, really, really noisy. But, um, but, uh, I mean, it, it's effective at what it's, what it's asked to do, getting, getting grunts and stuff into and out of tight places. So, um, yeah, man, I had a, I had a blast. Um, do you ever have a
0: a pucker factor moment? Several times, several times,
1: (laughs) um, whether, whether going through, you know, bad weather or, um, yeah, putting your sometimes flying. I mean, later on as a, you know, a senior instructor flying with new students, um, sometimes they can, they can scare you so you always got to be on your toes but um
0: yeah it's like the first time you take a a right hand corner in the car with a someone that has a permit (laughs) yep (laughs) in the car
1: but uh yeah it was good i I loved every second of it um and uh got to meet some great people actually jared jared bryant so i I reunited with jared Um i got to my fleet squadron he was uh he was in the same squadron so we spent several years together there
0: you know what he's doing now
1: yeah, so he is actually – I saw him actually. I reconnected with him. Uh, I was out in uh, Japan for a couple weeks earlier this spring, and he was coming off of his um, department head tour as the maintenance officer for one of the squadrons out there. And he is now the f- three MEF CG's
0: aide gotcha.
1: um, on track to be, you know, Commandant of the Marine Corps if he wants to. If, if, yeah, I bet if, you there's
0: some really good training there.
1: Yeah, if and not, uh, Jared's Jared's gonna go as as far and as as high up the chain as as he wants. So, sure. Yeah.
0: Well, cool. And then uh, anything else inside the military career you want to hit?
1: Not really, man. I mean, again, I just was fortunate. I did three deployments in my in four years, four or five years on active duty. So,
0: what um, are those I, deployments I, to?
1: So all three of them were to. Uh, what the Marine Corps called at the time it was the Special Purpose MAGTAF Crisis Response Africa. So it was basically the the Department of Defense and Department of State's re, you know answer or reaction to Benghazi. Um, cool. So they essentially put a bunch of Ospreys and a bunch of Grunts in Marone, Spain, which is an old Air Force base. Uh, joint air force u s Air Force and Spanish Air Force Base, and then we were essentially there standing different alert postures for embassy reinforcement and stuff in in Africa so we bounced back and forth between Marone and siganella and places along the west coast and of Africa and central Africa so they were uh relatively easy deployments given the you know where we were staying, which were you know uh, developed supported air bases with decent living, eating, and, you know, fitness facilities, connectivity was good. And usually had Wi-Fi to talk to the family. So it's certainly, we certainly weren't, uh, roughing it, uh, by any means. Um, but, Is uh,
0: Any key takeaways from those departments? I mean, anytime you're in a different, you know, no, was you... or area, it's I would, stuff.
1: Yeah, no, I would say, um, I came away, especially with seeing the different parts of Africa that I did, just came away with, you know, just a much greater uh, appreciation for what we have here in the States. Um, Just not only just the the living conditions, but just the opportunities that we have um, uh, afforded to us here. So I, I, I just gained a much better appreciation for For what we have, and I think just uh, has helped me keep things in perspective at times. You know, when when things aren't going the way you want them to, or the way you think they should be going, um, I think it certainly has helped me to try to keep perspective on things and and realize that it's all it's all relatively still very very good for for the Zingler family with uh, with what we have. So
0: awesome, yeah, no doubt. So you got out, transitioned. Why'd you, why'd you get out?
1: Yeah. So I tried to do a couple of different things while I was in. So I I went through the, the weapons and tactics instructor course, uh, in spring of 18. I got back from that, uh, back to my squadron and I had applied for an inner service exchange. Um, so the Marine Corps has got a bunch of different inner service exchanges, both, uh, international service exchanges as well as within our department of defense exchange so the the osprey community has an exchange where they'll send one of the marine corps pilots to one of the air force cv22 squadrons for three years and then in exchange for that there's a bunch of air force instructors that work at the the schoolhouse um the the v22 schoolhouse um in north carolina so one of the one of the head instructors at the squadron ahead of me um, was currently filling that that exchange, and you know raved about it. It was something I wanted to do. The Air Force employs their Ospreys um, strictly within their Special Operations Command (AFSOC). Um, so, uh, wanting to fulfill a little bit more of my desire to, um, I'll just say, coming away from the deployments. Um, within the Marine Corps, got to do some cool stuff, um, you know, flying through the French Alps and seeing different parts of Europe and Africa. But in terms of a direct impact to, again, at the time, you know, an, an ignorant, uh, young junior captain with a, with a desire to be on the the front lines of whatever it was we were doing, um, thought I'd have that opportunity maybe with the air force and AFSOC than I would with the, gen pop of marine aviation so applied for that um, at the time I had a uh, someone in senior le- leadership that didn't necessarily want to see me leave the, the squadron I was with so denied my package for that I then Bummer. yeah I then applied for a straight up inter-service transfer um, to basically transfer from the marine corps to the air force active duty to go do fly Ospreys with, with AFSOC, sent a package to, to AFSOC, all the squadron commanders gave me the thumbs up. Um, and then I submitted my, my package up to, you know, headquarters Marine Corps asking to, to be able to transfer and, you know, due to manpower issues at the time, they basically told me to pound sand. So, um, my last attempt to get out of the cockpit. So I basically, you know, I was go, go, go for four years, wanted a break, we had had two of our three kids at that point. Um, so just looking for a break to, from the deployment cycles, I asked the monitor if I could just screen to come up to the Naval Academy. Um, and basically was, you know, told that I could, I could fill the military liaison position um, that Ross had, had filled and um, uh, Mike, my Gosh. blank on Yeah. Mike wall should fill the old you know bryce mcdonald uh ryan hamilton role and to 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 be able to to apply for that you just have to get your monitor to sign off on it to basically allow you to just screen for it and uh the monitor wouldn't wouldn't uh would let me do it so yeah um
0: hitting a whole bunch of roadblocks
1: yeah so again it's it was uh it was, uh, it was at that point, it was time that I decided that the Marine Corps and I needed to see other people. So, uh, okay. Decided, yeah. So decided to, uh, to, to pursue, leave an active duty, um, and then, uh, did a direct affiliation. So there's a direct affiliation program that the Marine Corps does, which basically allows you to transfer from active duty to SMCR select Marine Corps reserve without incurring a break in service. Um, so I, I did that and I was able to, you know, affiliate with the the East coast reserve Osprey squadron in Norfolk and was able to scratch the itch flying, continue to fly Ospreys there um, while working as a civilian up in, uh, up in Maryland. So
0: gotcha. Yeah. So you're with United Airlines. I'm sorry. Now you're with United, United Airlines.
1: Yeah. So it, it all works out. He's got a plan. So, um, yeah. So that was the reason why I decided to get out was basically I had, uh, you know, I had, I had worked my way up, um, in the, the hierarchy of Marine Corps, the DMV 22 community. The only, I guess, higher position I could have achieved was, uh, you know, going to the, the weapons school as an instructor, but, uh, was looking for a break. Didn't really have any interest in going to do a staff staff job anywhere. So it was all good. I served my commitment. No hard feelings. I know the the Marine Corps didn't owe me anything. Um, so was all good, did the commitment, decide to get out and
0: that's gotcha, a uh, controlling what you can control, I guess.
1: Yeah, exactly. You know, stuff uh people are gonna tell you no, timing's everything. You may it just doesn't work out a lot of times the way you want it to. and again, regardless of what you what you think your best is or how hard you work. Um you could you could be the, the most senior level instructor with all the qualifications, all the certifications. Um but for whatever circumstances, you can't pursue what it is that you want to pursue. So how do you respond? How do you regroup and come up with a new plan and, and uh,
0: continue pushing forward? Gotcha. So you are uh, not only uh, flying for United, but also in the reserves flying with the Air Force. Yeah. Right? Something you also wanted to do. What kind of bird do you find?
1: Uh, so the KC-135, it's a it's a Boeing 707 airframe, but it's uh it's one of the, I guess now three air refueling platforms that the Air Force flies. Um, okay. There's the KC-135, which again it's it's, it's a four-engine, uh, fixed-wing platform. Um, they have the old KC-10s, which have the they're phasing those out, but they're the ones that have the the third engine and the actual vertical stab tail of the uh, of the aircraft. And then the new the new hotness is the the KC forty six, which is a a Boeing seven sixty-seven that's uh gonna be more and more coming on. It's already it's already um, hit the fleet, but it's gonna be replacing more and more of the old uh, KC one thirty fives and KC tens. But um, but yeah, it's been cool. I, I did a lot of time as a receiver looking up the the hose and drogue of C one thirties and KC tens, and so it's cool being on the other side of you know, the gas station being the one pumping the gas and offloading the gas. So it's been cool.
0: Gotcha. But you that things a tank. All right. Well, cool. So um, you're just now getting into United. Uh, Why, why United? Why commercial? Uh, Just because you had the skill set or like, how'd that work?
1: Yeah. Well, I mean, again, um, you know, interesting how perspectives change coming up through, you know, Marine Corps aviation was never really interested in, going, going commercial. I didn't really think I was going to enjoy the, what I perceived to be the monotonous, boring flying of flying people. And, um, you know, from Baltimore to Denver, whatever the case was. Um, but the more and more I learned about it, um, and then the more and more I, I talked to, you know, my two uncles, one who was, Navy and then transitioned to fly for Delta and my other who was Air Force and then transitioned to fly for American. Um, seeing the, the quality of life that they had, the opportunities to travel and the opportunities that they were able to provide for their families was very appealing. Um, and then just learning more and more about it and, and knowing that you don't have to take work home f- with you. So y- yeah, you spend probably more time away from your family than most professions. Um, but when you're home, you're home and you're not monitoring email. You're not answering phone calls. Um, so that, that aspect really appealed to me. was the fact that I could, when I'm home, not working, I can focus a hundred percent on being a dad, being a husband,
0: gotcha. taking
1: care of stuff at home. So um, that kind of worked. Okay. And then, and then why the United piece? I mean, you, I can go into more detail than you'd like on just, you know, companies. Why, why and,
0: United over Southwest?
1: Why? Uh, there's, so there's I more- have to say
0: that because Southwest has been all over the news.
1: Yeah, well, no, I mean Southwest is a strictly domestic carrier. So, I mean, if you have aspirations of flying internationally, now, I mean, Southwest will do some Canada and South America stuff. I think and maybe some Caribbean stuff. But if you want to get to the Pacific or you want to get to Europe and see those different parts of the the world, then you're going to want to go with a with an international carrier. So, gotcha. That was one of one of one of many reasons, but
0: back during COVID, there was the whole, you know, pilot deal and like shortages and people quitting. And have you seen any of that? I know you're kind of getting into it, but. No,
1: I mean, I've, I've had nothing but good experiences so far. Now, granted, you know, I'm, I'm day three with the company, but, um, no, and I did quite a bit of traveling during COVID for my, you know, civilian, civilian job. Um, I never really saw much of the the interactions with passengers and flight attendants that made the news.
0: Um, yeah, I, the you know. anybody that, that said that that person in the back's not real.
1: Yeah, <laughs> that lizard, person's not real. The lizard lady. Um, <laughs> hope she's doing all right. But I think she had more than just thinking she saw the lizard person. But um, no doubt. But yeah, so I mean, I know I've had I've had good experiences, and and uh, thankfully I think most of the. Uh, uh, Contentious or questionable practices or mandates or whatever the case was with, with air travel that we saw back in 20, 2021, even maybe early 2022
0: aren't started really anymore. Gotcha. Yeah. Well, cool. Um, taking it back, coach story. You got a good coach story? Coach, which one? So, uh, any kind of fun, memorable thing.
1: So, my, my, there's a lot of Paul Johnson memories. I'd say the one that has that burned into my mind the most. Winter winter workouts, plebe year. So we just finished our first season. I don't know, I don't know if you if this was like a plebe, if it was like a plebe workout or like a scout team thing. But coach and Ryan Hamilton pulled us all into Joe Bellino. And we were voting on um, the Ronnie Winchester award recipient for that year. Um, And so, you know, Ryan gives, you know, his, you know, he was, you know, best buddies, teammates, I think, with with Ronnie, if I'm not mistaken. So, you know, it certainly meant something to him. And Coach Johnson gave his spiel on kind of what it means and, you know, what you should be considering when casting your vote for who you think should get it. And uh, so we all cast our votes. We go back into the to the weight room, and we're doing our workout. And then maybe you know, fifteen twenty minutes later, Ryan comes back into the weight room. He's like, "All the plebes, get into Bellino now." And so, were you part of this? Do you remember this? You know where I'm going with yeah. it? Okay. So so we all shuffle back into Marino, and uh, PJ gets up in front of us, and uh, he's like. <laughs> You dumb mother effers! Which one of you voted Ricky Bobby to receive the Ronnie Winchester Award? Yep. And it's crickets. No hands. No one volunteered. <laughs> and he's like, "I'm going to ask you again." He might have asked us like one or two more times. And he's like, "All right, y'all, you don't, y'all don't want to fess up. Get your get your cleats on. Get your ass outside."
0: You know, it's funny, it hasn't come out yet, but I just got done with Doc Fair. Yeah. And I asked him about this, and he said the exact same thing. He got a call from from Coach Johnson. I was like, get ready. Yeah. get your stuff. It's late at night. Yep. So we <laughs> proceeded to go out to the grass
1: practice fields. Again, it's probably – it's January, February. We're still doing workouts. We haven't had spring ball yet. And uh, I he must have asked Coach Speed, to, to come out and, and handle us because uh, I just remember Coach B beating us for 20 or 30 minutes um, and uh, I I remember on our way out so we, we <laughs> were on our way out to the field to get our beating and uh, finally Chad Chad Peterson comes up to Coach and he's like, hey Coach, it
0: was me it was me
1: <laughs> and I forget what exactly he said, it was like oh you lost your chance, like you should have yeah, said too it late too late. Um, you're all going to get beat for it. So, and I, I think, you know, you know, one of the one-liners I remember him saying was like, if y'all, if y'all want a Ricky Bobby so bad to, you know, win this award, well, hell, I want to meet the guy and just mm-hmm. listening
0: to coach Johnson. <laughs> if you ain't first you're last. That's what yeah. I remember. I'm saying
1: that was, that was my PJ, I guess one of, one of the PJ stories. Um, for Coach Niamat. man, I uh, I definitely I I noticed a change in his demeanor from when he went from O line to head coach. So our our bowl game youngster year against boss, no. Wait, Boston. Cos- no, Boston. Boston was pre year, pre year, then it was Utah. Yeah. I thought it was, U- was it Utah Poinsettia Bowl, and then we had Wake in D.C.
0: Maybe, yeah, you're right.
1: I think it was Utah up in the in the Poinsettia Bowl. So that was his first game. He was the interim head coach at the time, and <laughs> was hired in that off season. But um, I def I, I, know, I personally noticed a change in his demeanor from from being the O line coach to to assuming the head coach role. And uh, I don't know, man. It's just you know, is one of the I think most fair, nicest people I've ever met. I've ever met, and um, a good – I mean, everyone has his their memories of Coach. I've got good good memories of Coach Green, Coach Jones, Hal. Do you, you remember Hal Bowrun? Bowrun? Ba- Bal- uh,
0: no, I don't. I, was, I, remember the, I remember Hal. I don't remember his last name. I think it was Hal. I think he was They've, a slot back.
1: I think it was uh, – anyway, he. I think he was a slot back, a class or two after us. And he had the best impersonation of Coach Jones that I think I'd ever seen. He came in, he did the whole walk. You know how remember Coach Jones used to walk out a waddle. had had the had the accent and everything. And I don't, I don't know if it was uh I'm trying to remember who had the best Coach Green impersonation. But uh I mean, all all the memories that have been been listed here. I've got actually so I watched your episode with Bobby McLaren. Um in high school, I volunteered with the athletic department and Scott Strassmeyer. So as a as a high school kid, I would go to all the home games. I'd be up in the press box and I would run the stats. So after every quarter they would print out the stats for that quarter, and I would just run run the copies of the stats to all the different media organizations up in the press box. That's cool. So it was a cool way to to, to watch the games and actually got to sit behind coach Steve Belichick. Um, for a couple of seasons while he was there at the games, but um, so I remember, where was I going with
0: this? Um, Bob McLaren's. Yes. Yeah,
1: so I was at that game at FedEx Field in the press box in the the northwest corner of the end zone as he broke up that pass with his, his club, his boxing glove club, um, and I think it was the first time they'd beaten Air Force in a long, long time, so yeah, I mean just, just fortunate to to see kind of the come up of the program and be a part of it while I was there and just um yeah, it was awesome. So
0: awesome. Yeah. Um after graduation, you went to Georgia State or Georgia Tech for yep. a while. What took you there? So there were two um
1: two scholarship programs at the time the academy. That's right. Had,
0: That's right. Yeah.
1: One of them was called VJEP. I don't know what the V stood for something graduate education program is basically it had, you know, we took all those, uh, all those tests during plebe summer to like validate calc one or whatever the courses were that we were trying to test, test into, to see where we kind of placed. So basically if you had validated enough classes in the, in plebe summer that you didn't have a, you basically didn't have any cre- enough credits left to take your first year, there was a program where you got to second semester, first year, go to like Hopkins or University of Maryland and start your your master's program there. The program I did, the immediate graduate education program or IJEP, was basically you apply for it and then based on your class rank, um, you, you either get selected for it or not. And I want to say it was maybe, I don't know, maybe like 20 twenty ish guys you know ensigns um guys and gals that commissioned to the Navy and maybe you know nine to ten second lieutenants that were commissioning marine Corps um got to do the program and you essentially applied applied to whatever school you wanted to as long as you were gonna study an approved subject area or major um and then you had to get like fifty percent of your tuition covered by scholarships or grants or something. Um so anyway I you know I was an engineer um mechanical engineering at the, at the academy funny enough mechanical engineering wasn't a, an approved subject area at the time but uh, aerospace engineering was so instead of trying to petition some general somewhere to give me permission to go
0: study It's a good one to get into. Did you finish that?
1: I did so I did aerospace engineering I just had applied to Georgia Tech cuz I knew it was a great you know had a great engineering program um, and I had family down at the Atlanta area, so it was a pretty sweet deal, man. It was uh, I was a second lieutenant, living in Midtown Atlanta uh, in an apartment, um, PTing with the ROTC kids. You know, once a week, uh, getting paid as a second lieutenant to to go to school. So I did a a fall, a spring, and a summer semester, um, in the aerospace engineering department, and then from there I checked came up to Quantico and checked into, to TBS.
0: Gotcha. So you finished your master's there. Yeah. It was three uh, semesters,
1: three semesters. Well, it Goodness. was, it, it was kind of an eye opener. Cause I mean, we were used to how many credits did we take at the Academy? It was usually like mm. 20, ish, 21, 22 credits. I feel like, um, at Georgia tech, it was only like maybe 12. I think the entire program was maybe only like 33 credit hours or something like that. Um, and again, I was just itching. I, I was watching all of you guys, you know, go on to do great things in, in the service. And I was just kind of getting that itch to, uh, again, thankful I was there.
0: Yeah. But think about, you know, time benefit versus effort. I mean, I'm sure there's a lot of effort there, but I mean, that's a, that was a killer program. Knock it out.
1: Yeah. Again, as a, as a young, a young dude with, you know, seeing all of his buddies go off to, to deploy and, uh, and work up, um, you know, I was thankful I was able to to do it, but took my degree and, and ran, um, and, uh, and got the, got the Quantico after that, but great experience. It was, you know, a nice, uh, definitely different educational environment than the Academy. It really made me appreciate the, uh, the quality of the professors we had. Um, and I guess the, you know, the environment that the Academy provided for our, for our education, um, seeing that versus, you know, a, a state or a private private institution, whatever.
0: Good, good structure.
1: Yeah, for sure.
0: Gotcha.
1: oh uh, yeah. That was good uh good to put on the resume, but I have no desire to to go back to school.
0: <laughs> hey, you never know. You may get done flying with United and then go build airplanes with Boeing for the That's Air right. Force. I never know. Uh how about mentor? Best mentor. Man.
1: Um I guess just while, while at the academy, or just in general,
0: in general, man,
1: I had a lot of great influences in my family. Was very fortunate in the you know the influence that I had I had in my family. Um, again, just watching the examples of the guys that came before us. I mean, even the guys from you know the 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 teams in the '90s, being able to watch those guys: Quint, Bruce, Andrew Thompson, um, Ben Fay, um, and then just again the the guys that we showed up as plebes, you know, um, Jeremy Jeremy Chase was Jeremy Chase, and uh, I can't remember who the other other guy was that was running the scout offense at the time.
0: Um, Jake Biles.
1: I think it was him.
0: Or no, Dalier Because
1: him and, and Rob Caldwell ran ran at the youngster year so I'm trying to remember who ran with Jeremy. Um, but anyway, so, but Beardo, it was Beardo, you're right. Um, but yeah, so I mean, whether, whether it was a formal mentorship, like mentor, mentee relationship, or just the ability to watch and observe the, the level of effort and the caliber of guys that, that, uh, just set the example for us. Um, and it, it certainly doesn't hurt when you've got a Ross Pospisil in your class, um, on your team, Captain, no a- a- and an Ose Asante. Um, so yeah, I mean, I think it was, uh, it was certainly, a a village of mentors, whether they knew it or not. Um, that really had a, an impact on me and then kind of the approach I took to both, you know, the Academy as well as being on the team.
0: Gotcha. If you could go back and do something differently, what would you have done differently?
1: been faster taller no i'm just kidding Uh, (laughs) no i I get i get asked the question a lot more of like would when i when people when you're talking to people and they find out you went to the academy and they don't know much about it other than you know maybe what they saw james franco portray on that terrible movie um like, hey, would you go would you go back and do it all over again? And I tell him, like, I, if I didn't have the football team and the brotherhood coming from a guy who all he wanted to do his entire life was go to the Naval Academy and become a pilot, having gone through the Academy with with you guys and with the team, I don't I don't think I would go back and do it again if I didn't if I didn't have that. I would still probably pursue the service via some other commissioning source or Avenue and maybe gone to play football somewhere else. Um, but I I don't think I would have done it again just because of, I don't even know if I have a good reason for it, but I think it was just that, that great of an experience. Um, and, uh, you know, formation for me as a, as a man to, to experience that with you guys. So, um, if I could change anything, man, I mean, to, to wish, to wish I could have contributed more on the field, I think would maybe be more like selfishly driven. Um, Because at the end of the day, we had, we had great teams, good teams and great seasons. We ended on a really, really high note, 10 win season victory over Missouri in the, the, the Texas bowl. So, I mean, to go out like that and to to play in the places we did against the guys we did, um, I know it's tough. To, tough to pick something out that I would change because it it was it's pretty sweet looking back on it. I mean, perspective is everything. But um, yeah.
0: I don't
1: know, maybe beat Notre Dame three times instead of two. I don't know. It's like, <laughs> what do you?
0: I got you, you. No, that's good. No, it's yeah. it's okay. It's it's actually awesome when you can look back and say, "I wish I wouldn't change the dang thing." Right? Yeah. So, well, cool. Um, what's your biggest obstacle or struggle that you're working through today?
1: I would say uh, it's always it always requires effort for me to be present. Um, I'm kind of wired to always look for what's next and to kind of look, look, look ahead. Um, which in a sense is, has served some benefits and the ability to kind of plan and try to, you know, to get to where I am now. But um, just to to focus on being present, especially with the kids. Um, you know, my kids are eight, eight, six and almost four. Um, so a very, very formative time in their lives. Yeah. Um, and my wife, my wife's been doing all the the heavy lifting on the home front for me, um, for, for our family, since, uh, you know, we've been on active duty and deployments and trainings and now coming out here is more, more of the same. So, um, awesome. but, uh, yeah, just being able to, to really give a hundred percent of myself to them when I'm home. Um, it's not, uh, it's not hard per se, um uh, but definitely requires a, uh, you know, a purposeful approach, I think.
0: Uh, yeah. To be, uh, yeah, you're not alone there's a lot of a lot of guys, same bucket. Think, for sure. Going yeah. to these. Well cool, man. Well, what's your price of admission?
1: My price of admission. Um again, kinda what I what I teed up in that that survey for you, again, being able to look back and kind of analyze my experience was just being being able to be at peace with the fact that, again, sometimes your best just isn't, it isn't good enough. Um, and isn't good enough in the sense that it, it may not achieve the, the result or the end state that you want. Um, whether that's starting time on the, the, the football team or the promotion at work. Um, uh, wh- whatever the case may be you can control everything that you can and do your best or whatever you can to, to influence that and still might not work out. And I think what I have come to learn is that it's really how you, how you regroup, how you debrief yourself to be able to adapt, you know, reload and reattack. Um, is, is I think how you can even, you know, grow, and improve more as a person than if every time you, you tried something it worked out for you. So um, the price of admission is, is being willing, being willing to attack a challenge or accept a challenge, knowing that, that your best may not be good enough and having the, having the humility to, to accept, accept defeat or accept a setback when it comes to you, but then have the resolve to, to, to regroup and and try it again it, with different a different approach or um, you know tweaking something here because what they say the the definition of insanity is trying the same thing over and over expecting a different result so um,
0: yeah, yeah. Wanna...
1: and then it, at at times it you know you just gotta you know whether you're a a, a person of of faith or not um, I certainly am and so I I believe that everything's Everything happens for a reason, whether you can, can appreciate or understand that reason in the moment or not, I'd say more times than not, I don't necessarily understand why things happen the way they do, but give it time. And usually, um, it's, it has a way of, of revealing itself to you. So, I mean, uh, yeah, who knows if I had, uh, if I had, uh, you know, made one decision here, if I hadn't, if I hadn't. Gone down to Georgia Tech, maybe I wouldn't have connected with my wife when we did, and everything can domino effect, and and you could be in a completely different place than you are today, and probably not, you know, maybe not as as good of a situation as you are. So, I know long long winded answer, um, but uh, yeah, just uh, just being able to to be at peace with um, knowing that sometimes you'll have to try a second or a third time. To, to get to where you want
0: to be. Yeah. Keep pedaling, right? Yep. Well, cool. What's your wife's name? Brooke. Brooke. And uh, so you're you're in different places tonight, right? Because you're doing going through this training. So yep. make sure you give her a call and say thank you for all you do. Uh, sure. Sounds like she's definitely been a rock for you, eight, six, and four-year-old. Yeah, I was, I was
1: actually just able to catch up with them before we jumped on, but they were just getting back from the – the six-year-old soccer practice. So she's, uh, she's a rock star, man. I know we, uh, a lot of us knuckleheads don't, uh, don't deserve the women in our lives, uh, with how, uh, with how awesome they are. But, uh, I'm, I certainly consider myself blessed with uh, the bride that I have and uh, the kids that she and I have been able to raise together. So all good things, man. It's all good.
0: Shamwell. yeah, well, man, uh, Good talk today. really appreciate you getting on. Um Yeah, it was good. Awesome. I appreciate it, man. All right, man. Take care. See you. The weapon may be formed, but it won't prosper. When the darkness falls, it won't breathe. Cause the God I serve knows only how to triumph. you burn a hole. Through my, my God mind. can never fail. There's something about it ain't oh right. I never fail. I'm gonna see you fix it. It's
1: funny how everything can change in a moment. It hits you in the heart, and you know when you're done.
0: the night is burning. This beautiful view Every time I I wake up Seeing your sweet sweet face That's all it takes To turn it down With that shadow in my head You and me in this bed This is what it's all And I see fire Inside the moon Just the two of us A bottle of wine We know it's sort city But I'm not Kind of feels like I'm dreaming I'm getting used to This beautiful view Every time I wake up Seeing your sweet
1: face That's all it takes To turn me inside out Love song in my head You and me in this bed This is what it's all about Loving this new normal now This new normal now